And so take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to look at how to determine the way uh, to make some important decisions in life. And uh, these are decisions that are not necessarily black and white. And I've discovered there's a lot of those decisions in life. There's not a clear statement that says, thou shalt not. But there are principles and scriptures and different things that help us make some of those decisions. And the reason that I want to talk about that this morning is because I began this series last week uh, called Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to look at this concept again this morning out of Galatians chapter 5. And the reason that I want to talk about it from this passage of Scripture is I think it will help us uh, not make some common mistakes because our freedom does not uh, set us free to just do whatever we want. And there's this balancing act we have in life. Jesus has set us free from uh, the legal obligations of the Old Testament. We're free from the law. And Paul makes a big deal about that in this passage. There were those that were infiltrating the church in Galatia, into those churches, those homes, and, and confronting these believers with some, some ideas that weren't right. Paul had gone in there and set these uh, folks free. If they'd grown up in a Jewish heritage, they were bound by legal obligations. You can't eat this, and uh, you can't eat that, and you have to uh, worship on this particular day, and you have to do this particular ritual, and all of the Old Testament rituals that some of you are familiar with, but there's loads and loads of them that weren't... Uh, uh, that were fulfilled in Christ or were no longer necessary uh, in the gospel. And Paul had uh, become imprisoned by all of those legal obligations and to the point that he was blinded by pride. He said, look at how well I keep all of these legal obligations. Look how much I do at the synagogue and look how I'm persecuting those Christians and look how well I'm keeping all the Ten Commandments. And he, when he was confronted with Christ, was set free but he was set free from self-righteousness. The idea that I'm being good enough, I'm being uh, Christian enough, or I'm being Jewish enough to please God. He's got to accept me the way I am. And so he, he was setting these folks free from the law. But he was also setting the pagan folks free. The people that had grown up in, that were Greeks and were Romans and different folks. And, and uh, that would include all of us, most of us here. He was setting us free from imprisonment to the fleshly desires. And, and so we don't have to now succumb to every feeling and every thought and every whim and every lust, every desire. So he was preaching this tremendous freedom in Christ. But here's the issue. Is we are continuously confronted with questions. Every step of the way in life of, uh, of what do we do in this situation? Do I drink this? Do I eat this? Do I go there? Do I watch this? Do I hang out with this person? Have I done enough? Have I not done enough? We're, we have all of these black, these, these gray questions that the Bible helps us answer. And because in our freedom, we don't want to sin. But we don't want to lose our freedom. I woke up this morning, you can wake up any morning, I guess, nowadays, and you look at the news, you look at the news, you wake up and you see the latest attempts of our government, our president and others to secure our freedoms around the world. So I, I pulled up the web and it, it went to uh, the, the 
the Fox News or whatever it was, the website, and immediately I see bombers flying and uh, uh, missile testing and all this stuff to threaten our enemy, right? To make sure North Korea doesn't send... Because we got North Korea wants to shoot ICBMs and it wants to uh, compromise our freedom. And then you got terrorists... Islamic terrorists that are, there's no telling what's going to happen there. And then you got cyber attacks from Russia and all sorts of other things. We just got all of these enemies. So our president and our country, our military, they're charged with defending our freedom. So our freedom has to be defended. But then we, we have the other side of the equation where we know that inside of our country, we got internal issues. And we need moral uh, freedom. We need ethical uh, boundaries and controls. And so freedom is not just something we defend out there. There's, there's a freedom we've got to defend internally. And in this passage, you have basically the Apostle Paul being like uh, the president. He is, he is coming into this church and he is trying to find the doctrinal terrorists. He's trying to find the folks that are taking away the freedom... And he's going to defend it. And he is just going to launch an attack. This is one of the toughest passages of scriptures. And I want us to read it so that you understand it's important we defend our freedom in Christ. That we are not bound by a spirit of legalism. We are not run as Christians by a list of do's and don'ts. And so we need to defend that freedom because it was purchased with a, with a great price. Christ died to set us what? Free. And he says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. In fact, look at verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand therefore. Stand firm. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so he says, defend, you need to defend that freedom. Don't lose that freedom. In this context, it's, don't lose it to legalistic religion or self-righteousness. And you don't have to be Jewish to do that. I've met all sorts of Baptists that are working their way to heaven. They're just as proud as they can be of all of their achievements as a good, uh, a good Baptist. It just can, you can be absolutely lost like that. You can. Don't lose your freedom in Christ. It is not about obeying a set of laws to please God to earn salvation. Please say amen if you understand that. Okay. You don't want to lose that. I'm going to fight you on that. Paul's going to fight us on that. We cannot lose our freedom in Christ. And I've run into that throughout my life. You'll see it if, you're, if, if you watch for it. They'll have a, there'll be some preacher or some other fellow Christian will come along and say, Yeah, I believe you are saved by grace plus and you can just put something whatever on the other side of this plus sign grace plus speaking in tongues grace plus uh, a list of rules grace plus your very best effort you are saved by grace alone you are you are free from that uh, and you must defend it. And so listen to how Paul, you're going to have to follow along closely. Are you ready? So just follow along. Listen to what he says. He says, look. Look. Well, let me finish verse 1. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, and this is one of the plus things. The new Jewish believers came in and said, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ, but you've got to do some of those things. You can't get rid of circumcision. And they were making all the Gentile converts get circumcised, the guys. And he says, uh, this is no advantage to you. Christ will be no, of no advantage of you. You're limiting your freedom in Christ. Verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that if you're going to do that, you're going to have to keep what? The whole law. If you choose one law to determine your salvation, you better keep every single one of them because the wages of breaking one of those laws is death. The wages of sin in any law is death. So if you pick one of them, to determine your salvation, you better keep all of them. You better keep all of them. You are actually, talking about circumcision, you're cutting yourself off from Christ when you do this. You would be justified, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from what? Grace. Don't do that. Defend your freedom. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. You were going, okay, Galatians, what happened? Who came in there and hindered? Persuasion is not from Jesus. It's not from God who calls you. And if you let a little bit of that leaven in, you know what leaven is? It makes the bread rise. If you just let a little bit of that sinful thought, that bondage, that legalistic bondage, if you just let a little bit into your church or into your life, it is going to spread and leaven the whole loaf. You think Paul's concerned about this? Man, he's just launching every attack. He says, don't do this. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still persecuted if, if in, that, in that the offense of the cross has removed? He says, don't up circumcision. Don't put up a particular behavior. Don't put that up as something that people have to stumble over. Don't tell them they got to wear this or, or dress like that. Don't put all of that first. What comes first, what people ought to stumble over, what people ought to have to deal with, first and foremost, is what really matters, what they believe about Jesus. If they're going to stumble, we want people to stumble over what? Jesus. We want them to stumble over the cross. All right. So he's just fired up. I'm a little fired up. Are you fired up? We've got to defend that freedom. We're saved by grace. Verse 12, I wish those who would unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Paul's not being very loving. Actually, he he doesn't want them to lose their souls. And he says, and the reason he uses the idea of emasculating them is that he's hoping that these false teachers and people who are trying to uh, impose works on the people to get to heaven would not reproduce. Would not reproduce. All right. Now look at verse thirteen. So, what is what is the alternative? What do we do? 
Watch what he says. For you were called to what, church? Freedom. Therefore, brothers, but whatever you do, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, hold on a second. I like this whole freedom preaching you were doing. I was getting loosened up. Man, I, can, I like that. I can live any way I want. Nobody's going to tell me I can't do this, go there, drink that, do any of this. I, don't impose that stuff on me. I'm free in Christ. Paul said, hold on. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the what? See, that flesh is still hanging around, isn't it? And the flesh in this context goes two ways. Watch this. And you got to be careful of this. It is just as fleshly to, to cover up and say, look how good I am because you're feeding the flesh of self-righteousness as it is to say, I want that in my lust, I want that in my lust, I'm going to have that, and you just, it's a self-gratification. So the flesh goes towards self-righteousness and self-gratification. He says, no, you're free in Christ. You're not legally bound by the law, but listen, I'm going to ask you to surrender. In your freedom, surrender to something that will take every opportunity you have as a free person in Christ and will control it for some very, very important reasons. And I'm going to give you those reasons in just a second. But he says, in your freedom, you do not have freedom. What do you mean? Well, look what we need to do. He says this. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through, what's the next word? Love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Now, into this verse just brought somebody that has just messed with my personal freedom. You know who that somebody is? You. This verse just brought you into my life. Did you catch it? I was free in Christ until God brought you into the mix. (laughs) Now the word of God comes and says, you are free in Christ. Free to lovingly serve one another. I'm free to serve. Freed up to serve. Most translations of the Bible don't really like to use the most literal translation of this word servant. But the most commonly used word that Paul had for his his life as a servant was the word doulos. And you can look up doulos in the Greek and all the Greek dictionaries. It's really funny. And, the, and the, the first term in all the dictionaries, slave. Slave. But the translators don't like to do that. You know why? 
We don't like that word. That brings up connotations of chains and whippings and all sorts of things that come from the horrific past of slavery and all those things. That's really not the picture Paul wants to give. What a slave is, see, a servant is hired. A servant is, uh, has compensation. A slave has his life controlled by a master. And over and over and over again, Paul says, I am a slave of Christ. And this is the idea is, Paul said, I went from being a slave to self-righteous sin. I was freed up to become a slave of Jesus. I freed up to serve. Freed up to serve. And what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, look at verse, uh, verse 16. You see, we've got to defend our freedom. But something's got to help us in this task. Because I've got some folks over here. I'm just pointing in general. If I look you in the eye, I'm not talking to you. I'm just saying I've got folks over here that are different from people over here. I got some of you in here that have different lives and different ideas about life than people over here, but you're all now part of my life. God brought every single one of you into my life just a second ago in that verse. I was free until he did that. Now, I'm obligated by love to serve you. Now, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? I don't know. All, well, verse 16. This is, this is the secret. But I say, here's how you're going to do it. This is how you don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh to become self-righteous or to fill, fulfill whatever lust you have. You're going to have to walk by the what? Spirit. You thought it was going to be easy. You thought I'd give you some really clear answer, but you're going to have to walk by the Spirit. How many of you remember last week's sermon? Just say amen, just make me feel better. Than... Well, if you were here, I used the umbrella as a symbol of walking un, in, with Christ because I talked about the fact that in the, when it was really raining, my kids had a choice. It was to walk and get soaking wet or they had to join the Father under the rain, under the umbrella. That un, with the Father, if they would walk with me and go with me and follow me, they'd stay dry. But they had to come under the reign of the Father or live under the reign of the world. And so this was kind of our compelling illustration from last week. Well, here we are again. The key to not letting your freedom lead to sin is to walk with who? The Spirit. To walk by the Spirit. And as if you will stay with Christ, abide in Christ, walk with the Spirit. And, and I come in, I come into contact with some folks over here. And I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm walking with Him. Then the Spirit can help guide me on how not to take my freedom. And take advantage of my freedom. And how to use that opportunity to lovingly serve you. And here's, what, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to show you a list of questions that I think the Holy Spirit 
If you walk under the umbrella with the Holy Spirit, if you walk with the Spirit, I think God's going to ask you several questions. He's going to put these questions in your mind that will help you deal with some of these gray areas, these gray questions in life. How should I respond to that? Should I go in there? Have I done enough? Should I do more? Let me show you some of these questions. The first question I always believe the Holy Spirit's going to ask you in any given situation is this. Is the action you're about to take or the idea you're thinking, is the action you're about to take, the idea you're thinking, does it, will it bring glory to who? God. Is this a God-glorifying thing? Back up the slide. I just want you to make sure you get that down. Is this going to glorify Let me show you a scripture. No trouble with these gray areas. They had all sorts of troubles. And so I want to just jump through 1 Corinthians to help us understand Galatians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is coming to the folks and they're struggling with this matter of eating food that was previously involved in idol worship. And there were people in the church that really struggled with it. They used to be idol worshipers. And they're like, if you love Jesus, you could not eat that. That, that, was, that was involved. That food, that meat right there, that was tainted by its presence in the idol's temple. Man, that's demon-possessed meat. You better not eat that. And some of the folks are like, I don't care. It's good. They were eating the meat. So those folks were really stumbling. And then there were the Jewish folks that were looking at me eating all that bacon. Because I, I got to have bacon. Right? Bacon is one of the joys of life. I'm so glad I'm free to eat bacon. I'm so glad 100% of you let me do that. I'm just kidding. But... So people were, some of the Jewish folks were struggling over the fact that there were men that were now born-again believers that weren't circumcised. How, what do you mean? There were people that were eating different foods. And Paul comes in and he says this. Here, here's, what, here's what you need to know. Look at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All things are what? Lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. Not all things build up me or others. In particular, a little too much bacon, not good for you. But all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be, what? Dominated or mastered by anything. Verse 13. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And they're both going to die. They're both going to be destroyed, the food and the stomach. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord 
and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up in his power. Do you not know that your body are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Now jump down to verse 19. So he says your body is a temple and you need to, be, you need to treat it as such. Look at verse 19. Do you, know not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the, of the who? The Holy Spirit. So here I am, under the umbrella with the Holy Spirit. My body is, is present with the Holy Spirit. And we're walking together, abiding in Christ. I've got the Holy Spirit here. And Paul says, how in the world can you make the decision? How are you free to bring a prostitute under the umbrella with God. You're not free to do that. Your body is a temple. What are you bringing under the tent with Jesus? You have to think about that. So we're free, but we're under obligation to the glory of God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like slavery. You're bought with a price. I'm not. Yes, you were. You were bought through the precious blood of Christ and through his death. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So do what? Glorify God in your body. So where your body goes, what you put into your body, what you do with your mind, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to whisper to you, going to whisper to you, is that really building you up? Well, look at the list. Look at the list of questions I thought you could write down. Number one, is it lawful? There are things that are clearly marked out as unlawful in Scripture. Adultery is unlawful. Murder is unlawful. Stealing is unlawful. Those lists, most of you know those things. The second thing is, is supposedly it's lawful. You need to ask yourself, does this action build me up? Does it build others up? Is this word I'm about to speak, is it going to edify to me or to others? And this is an important one, folks. Is what I'm about to do, because listen, that scripture we just read said, you are not, you are the temple, you are not to be managing, is what you're going to do, potentially. Potentially going to master you. Is he going to master you? And see, the weakness of the flesh makes this a constant challenge for us. We've got to be very careful, because we can easily become mastered by all sorts of addictive things in this life, all sorts of ideas, all sorts of actions and entertainments. we got to be just careful. Why? Because we are not our own. We're free. But Jesus said, you're only truly free indeed when you're walking with me, abiding in me. As soon as you take this off and say, I'm free of Christ. What we saw last week is you are never free. You are enslaved to your own desires. You're enslaved to the course of this world. It is only with Christ. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, uh, I will give you the truth and the truth will set you free. So 
the first thing you got to, I really believe the Holy Spirit, because I hear him. David, is that going to bring glory to me? Is that a God-glorifying thing? Second of all, so we are bound to the glory of God. There's a second thing we're bound to. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, just a couple more minutes here. Bear with me, and I think if you'll write some of this down. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8. So Paul's kind of still talking about this general subject of the black and white areas of should I eat food that this food is food. Nothing happens to this food. Just because it was over here in this temple or it was in this person's household, as long as it's good, as long as it's not spoiled, it's good for the stomach. And the stomach and the food, it's going to be destroyed. So he's saying, you're free to eat that. But there's a second thing you need to take into consideration. Verse 8. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it and no better off if we do. But take care that this freedom, this right of yours, does not somehow become a what, church? A stumbling block to the weak. For if any knowledge, you know that's, that food's not demon-possessed. That food's not going to be bad. That's good food. And you have that knowledge. But if by that knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Verse 12. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding whose conscience? Their conscience. When you wound their conscience when it is weak, you actually do what? You sin against Christ. Now, I know, because I'm one of you, I know this is a challenge. Because like I was mentioning, there's folks over here with different levels of spiritual maturity and conscience. There's folks over here, different backgrounds and different things. But here's, I think what happens is when you walk with the Spirit, you're walking with the Spirit, and as you live your life, you're just trying to listen to the Spirit and, you're, and he's going to say, you know, that's really not going to glorify God. And you come in, and you come into a situation, and you're about to do something or eat something, drink something, or you're with somebody, and if you're walking in the Spirit, he's going to say, listen, for the sake of that brother, give it up. For the sake and love of that brother, Don't use your freedom for self-gratification. Because your brother, that person, whether they're weak or they're strong spiritually, or they're even a lost person, they matter so much to Jesus. They matter more than what you eat or don't eat. So love them. He sets you free to serve and love your brethren. And so there have been times where I just said, you know, I'm going to have to give this up for the glory of God. There have been other times where I've said, you know, I'm just going to have to give this up. Or I'm going to have to go ahead and do this for the love of a brother. I'm free in Christ, but I'm bound by love. 
I'm free in Christ, but I'm bound by the glory of God. And a third thing. Let's look at a third thing. I'll let you go. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It's gotten awfully quiet in here. Y'all with me? We okay? In love, we are bound to serve the spread of the gospel. Look what he says, verse, verse 31. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do to the what, church? Glory of God. So, there's that first idea. And then, in verse 32, give no offense to Jews. Don't even give offense to the Greeks. And don't give offense to your brothers and sisters in the church of God. Try not to give offense. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many, that they may be, what? Saved. And then he had to add, verse 1 of the next chapter, he had to add it, didn't he? What did he say? Imitate me. I can just send this message, the challenge of it, because it's challenging me. I started it off really good. Y'all were all excited. We are free. But we're free now from sin and love of self and enslavement to self and enslavement to temporary things of this world. We're freed up from that because we know we have an, an eternal home with God. We'll have all the fun forever and ever and ever. Right now, though, walking in freedom with Christ, he's going to whisper to us, do this. Live for the glory of God. You're bound to that. You're bound to the love of your brethren. That you might win some. You may give up that meal, he's saying to those Corinthians. You may have to give up that really choice ribeye steak out of the pagan temple. But that brother right there, you may live with him forever and in eternity. If you walk with Jesus, the choice is pretty easy. But if we go out on our own, we were at Bush Gardens the other day. Had never been to Bush Gardens down in Tampa. That was really cool. It took the kids. Just spent one day down there. And it wasn't crowded. Praise the Lord. It really wasn't that bad. And uh, the, the, I, always get, I always think about spiritually these, uh, there's two things you're glad about when you're at Bush Gardens. The first thing is, is that uh, when you get in a roller coaster, they strap you down. In fact, I got a picture. Here are four of my kids. There they are. There's four of the five. Uh, they're, they're going up a tower that's about 200 feet in the air. I don't know how tall it is, but they go up. I'm sending my children. And, and it is a 
200 foot free fall. Sort of. If it were a free fall, they wouldn't be going up. They have all the joy of the free fall because of the safety of being bound. And we think that it's just bad. This is what the enemy wants you to buy into and the world wants us to buy into. You are so repressed under that umbrella stuck with Jesus. He is just keeping you from all this cool stuff. No. You get to enjoy this life to its fullest bound to Jesus. Don't buy the lie. Stay bound to him. And enjoy this life. And know that his boundaries, his boundaries are to keep you safe, not to ruin your fun. The second thing in that park that's good is it's full of wild animals. Lions, tigers, mountain gorillas. And if you'll just follow the path, (laughs) you'll stay safe. Now, there are places, there are points. If you want to jump the fence, good luck. I'm sure they would enjoy you for a morning snack. But if you'll just follow the path that God has set, you walk with the Spirit. Trust Him. Love your brethren. Be willing to give things up and to do things for the glory of God. Be willing to give things up And do things for the love of others. Be willing to give things up and do things for the sake of the gospel. And enjoy the ride. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for our freedom. But it scares us sometimes, God, when we we think about Um, being responsible for how we act and what we say and what we do and how it impacts others. And we want to bring you glory and we want to love others and we don't want to cause anyone to stumble. And Father, we sometimes feel very unwise and unsure. Help us to walk with you. Speak to our hearts. There's a lot of areas, God, where there's no clear law other than just to listen to you and love our brethren. Help us to do that and be obedient. Help us not to be self-righteous or self-gratifying. And God, we trust that in that we will enjoy, we will enjoy the power of your spirit, the power of your presence. And even the joy sometimes of seeing people come to know you and trust you because of that. So God, we just uh, we come to you as your servants, but we're not hired. We come more as slaves. We've been bought with a price. Use our lives and all that we are for your glory. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.